Before I begin with the message this morning, I know Katie, Katie did a really nice job leading us out at the top, but just want to take a moment to bless and thank the fathers uh, in our congregation today and to offer a prayer of blessing over them. So if you're seated near a father or someone who even looks like they might be a father or a father someday, um, you can put a hand on them or just extend a hand and we're just going to pray a blessing on our fathers today. Heavenly Father, on this day to celebrate fathers, we're grateful that no matter who our earthly father is, that you call each of us daughter or son. And for those who have had good fathers, we praise you, the ones in our midst, for how they have loved us, provided for us, sheltered us, mentored us, and led us. Every good and perfect gift comes from you, God, and the gift of earthly fathers as well. For others of this, us, this day can be painful. Many of us have lost fathers, both young and old. We ask that you would be near to them and fill that empty space with your hope. Some of us have a painful relationship with the word father. Fathers that have left us, abused us, scared us, or wronged us. We ask for your healing and grace on our hearts, walking with us in our times and spaces as you restore us in you. Some of us never knew our fathers or were abandoned by our fathers. We remember that you never leave us. You never forsake us, Heavenly Father. And we celebrate those men in our lives and in our midst that are fathers or our father figures or our spiritual fathers to us. Many times in the gap left by some of our own fathers. Thank you, God, for all those who live like fathers in your example. And we pray today, too, for men who want to be fathers, but who have not yet had that opportunity. Would you walk with them in their waiting? Would you give them divine patience and hope? And would you remind them that they are already fathers to many in their midst? Most of all, we just praise you, God, for our fathers that have loved us, and we are grateful for them. We ask that you would bless them today as we celebrate them. And Heavenly Father, we thank you that you show your love for us by sending your own son to save us. And we're glad ultimately to be your children on this day and every day because of that love. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are continuing in a series called How Joyful People Flourish, and it's based on a book that I 100% forgot at home that I was going to bring and tell you all about. Um, but today we're going to talk about uh, a little bit further into this passage, Philippians 4 verses 4 through 9, and talking about specifically whatever is true. And today we're going to talk a little bit about what I call limitless truth. Now the word limitless, I don't know what it brings to mind for you, but for me it brings to mind the 2011 film with Bradley Cooper, Limitless. I don't know if you saw this really D-rated movie. It was not great, but the ultimate per, uh, premise was that Bradley Cooper was able to unlock every part of his brain, not just the 10% or so that people say that we use, and he could do all these incredible things, you know? But in the end, in the movie, dead giveaway, sorry, you've had 12 years to see it, but it turns out to be too good to be true in a sense for him. And I think when we think about that word limitless, many times it seems too, too good to be true. You think of never-ending pasta at Olive Garden. 
It seems too good to be true, and it really kind of is, because we all should have a limit on the amount of pasta that we're eating in one sitting. Or you think about, you know, if you ever watch ESPN Sports Center too late at night, you think of limitless male, you know, the testosterone booster. And we really should, you know, probably put a limit on the amount of testosterone we're extra we're giving to, to men. Or you think about maybe uh, uh, unlimited fries if you ever go to Red Robin. And there should definitely be a limit to the amount of starch that we have. It's too good to be true because you eat that burger and then you eat a few fries and you said, I had unlimited fries, then I only ate three. Um, yeah, that's the ploy, everybody. It's too good to be true. Well, today, limitless is not too good to be true, okay? So we're gonna reverse that narrative. We're gonna talk about how with God, there's limitless truth that is available to us as we walk in relationship with Jesus. And uh, since we're in a Reformed church, I will be once again rocking through a three-point sermon, everybody. So if you're taking notes, you can track along here. First off, it's Jesus the really real reality. And if that sounds familiar, uh, you were here three weeks ago. So Jesus, the really real reality. The second point is truth from a certain point of view and finally limitless truth. And we are gonna be working our way for the next few weeks through this passage in Philippians four verses four through nine. So would you please stand if you are able as we're going to read God's word together. Philippians four verses four through nine. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, offer your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, Admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So we're zeroing in on this uh, um, in this series on how joyful people think. And the book, once again, that I forgot, talks about how these verses really give us a well to draw from on how we as disciples of Jesus can be joyful people in the ways that we think. The scripture invites us to think about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. And so as we walk our way through the weeks, we're gonna see how we're drawing on each of those sections or each of those words. And today we're talking about whatever is true. And when we talk about true, we have to have a baseline for what we feel or what we know to be true. What is truth? And today we're going to start with, and the book helps really lay out, and I'm going to be borrowing a lot today. So I want to give credit where credit's due. So not necessarily all this is from me. I'm definitely stealing from people smarter than me. Um, but what the author talks about is that there's an ultimate truth that's called transcendent truth. And transcendent truth is truth that is always true no matter what time or space we are in. It's unaffected by the specific time that we live in or where we live at, whatever space we're a part of. Transcendent truth is unaffected by this. And for those of us who are disciples of Jesus following him, transcendent truth would ultimately be found for us, it's grounded in, who the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are, 
and what we know about them through God's word to us, the Bible. The Bible really is kind of, for those of us who follow Jesus, we believe a transcendent truth, a truth that God gives to us. But while this is true, I wanna reframe it a bit today because I think that looking at the Bible as truth, though it is our truth and transcendent truth, sometimes in the way we use that idea that the Bible is truth, that can get us a little bit sideways and get us into a, little, a few problems as we both live and as we approach other people. And the first issue is that people that say the Bible is the ultimate truth and that the Bible is what we're guided by is that the Bible has a myriad of confusing and even at times contradictory passages in it. If you've ever read this thing cover to cover, it's a tough one to understand at times, right? There are things that don't always make clear sense to us and there's sometimes things that are said and then different things that are said later. In fact, Jesus might be one of the ultimate examples of this because in the Sermon on the Mount, he does this. He says and often starts his teaching by saying, you have heard it said, and then we'll quote something from the Old Testament section of the Bible before he arrived, and then he'll follow that by saying, but I tell you, and then go ahead and reframe something that has already been said in the Bible, right? So within the Bible itself, there's things that come before Jesus, there's things that come after Jesus. And so simply quoting the Bible, although a good start, it has its challenges. Because if Jesus himself takes passages from the Bible and then shifts our way of thinking and looking at that, then we should probably ourselves be kind of tracking along with how we're supposed to do that as well. The second challenge of just holding up our Bibles as truth without any real critical thought is that it detaches us from the ultimate purpose of this truth. And the ultimate purpose of this truth is to have a loving relationship with the God who gave it to us. To have a walking relationship with Jesus who created us, who came for us, who died for us and rose again for us. The truth of this Bible is not just meant to fill our heads with information or to have words to quote, but it's meant to lead us into walking, living relationship with the God who wrote it. And when we wave the Bible around as truth, without having that loving relationship and walking relationship with Jesus, this also too can be very, very dangerous. And this is where I'm really blessed that God gave me the sermon three weeks ago and then today because I got to preach a few weeks ago on the fact that Jesus says, I am the truth. And if you were with me, I said that the word Jesus uses there, it kind of means something like, I am the really real reality. In a sense, Jesus says, if you want to see what is the transcendent truth, look at me first because I'm the really real reality. So you got to look at me, you have to know me, you have to walk with me, and then you know what truth is. As I said, it's an invitation to a relationship, it's not information. It's about a who, it's not about a what. And I've also said before from up here, so I'm just going to keep recycling my ideas because sometimes that's what you do when you preach. I said that I love the Spanish for knowing something. 
Because in Spanish, there's two words for knowing something. There's the verb conocer, which is to know someone. And there's the word saber, which is to know something. And what Jesus invites us to is to conocer him. To know him as a someone, not just to saber him, to know him as a something. We want to know this Bible and we want to know Jesus and have a relationship with him so that when we use and when we walk with Jesus as our transcendent truth, it's with a someone and not just with a something. Because I think sometimes the challenge with seeing the Bible as our transcendent truth, which is our belief, is that sometimes we can get ourselves buried in the book instead of browsing for God's breakthroughs. I know that was a stretch for the alliteration, but hopefully you'll remember it now. We get buried in the book instead of browsing for God's breakthroughs. We have to have our spiritual eyes up to see where Jesus is at work, where he's at work in our lives and in the lives of people around us in that relationship with him. I used to play basketball. Now, if I get on a basketball court, I think you would call it more laboring than playing. Um, but when I played basketball, when I first started, uh, the way I played basketball was this. I would get the ball, and then my head would immediately go straight down, and I would dribble straight at the basket, and then try and lob something up to get it up there and score a basket, right? That was the first way I learned to play basketball. And that was not a very effective way at playing basketball for any of those who have watched or played it. Over time, hopefully a little bit, I learned and people learn as they play basketball. But the best way to play basketball is with your eyes up so that you can see what's going on around you on the court, to see what other people are doing, to see what other people might be, what might be happening, how you could help another person or maybe um, give it to another person. And so I think sometimes when we first learn that the Bible is our truth, we can get buried in the book and we don't have our eyes up to see how Jesus is moving and working in our lives and we're just locked in here. So I think when we talk about transcendent truth today, I want us to still hold on to the fact that the Bible is our truth. The Bible is our guide. But we have to continue to let it guide us into a loving relationship with a who, his name is Jesus, and then to live and walk with Jesus with our eyes up to browse for his breakthroughs rather than being buried in the book. Now, the second kind of truth today, and the reason that getting ourselves up and out of the Bible is so important as we interact with the world, is that there's something that everybody has that's called personal truth. And personal truth is the truth of somebody's own experience. So it's the truth of whatever we see through our own lens, through our own eyes. And I think it's really important for us today to know this and to know that we have to keep our eyes up and be seeing and looking at what other people's personal truths are. Because many times we want to say the Bible says to justify our actions or to justify what we believe to be true. And we criticize people for having their own personal truth. You know, I think it's become very in vogue to sharply criticize people for having their own truth. We say, well, that makes all truth relative. I hate that phrase. People are saying, live your truth. You know, that's, that's so weak. Ugh. I don't know what the people are saying. 
two things I would have to say with this. This is not something new. It's not like just in the 2020s, all of a sudden people started living their truth and having their own personal truth. This has been going on for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, everybody. In fact, I would challenge you to remember today that you have your own personal truth. That even as I'm preaching to you, I have my own personal truth. I have my own lens, my own experience in the way that I've lived this life. So before we get too bent out of shape, let's just pause and remember that we also have a personal truth and we also have a lens through which we're walking our lives. I, we had the privilege of having um, a professor of church history from the seminary that I went to come and teach a class at our church. And I remember he challenged us all to ask ourselves as we're reading the Bible and as we're trying to follow and have this loving and walking and living relationship with Jesus, to ask whether the truth and the way that we're living is because we see it in scripture and we see it in the life of Jesus and we're following him or whether it's lived out of a, by, a byproduct of the time, the culture, and the place that we're in. He said to keep asking that question of ourselves. Because the temptation, I think, has become that a lot of things that we see as gospel truth, many times are just byproducts of the way that we're living right now. I mean, even this, the fact that we're sitting together and you're listening to me, I mean, this is maybe a version of the way that we're supposed to follow and worship God, but also in scripture, the apostles' teaching, this idea of teaching was just one section of what people did to follow and walk in loving relationship with Jesus. They broke bed together and they had fellowship and they shared their stuff with each other, maybe even their money with each other, that they worshiped God day and night together. So Everything that we do is in some ways shaped by our own cultural lens and experience. So we have to keep driving at where we see our truth from our certain point of view. And of course, thinking about personal truth and truth from a certain point of view, it obviously led me to Star Wars because everything leads to Star Wars, everybody. And so when I thought about truth from a certain point of view, I thought of this specific clip, hopefully we can make it work, of Obi-Wan Kenobi talking with his mentee, Luke Skywalker. So let's watch for a moment. Mmm, Obi-Wan Kenobi, dropping some wisdom this morning, everybody. You told me that he killed my dad. No, it was true from a certain point of view. And I think today, when we look at personal truth, rather than getting up in arms about it, we have to see where we can enter in with all the people around us to see how we can see what might be true from their point of view and see how Jesus is meeting them in the midst of that. And this is not something that is unique or new that God is calling us to. It's something that's happened for a long time. In fact, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is when Paul actually does this. In Acts 17, if you've ever read the book of Acts, Paul is on a big, big trip and he ends up in the city of Athens and it's filled with all these people that are very heady people. They, they like to think a lot. And he goes to the Areopagus, their kind of thinking center, and he's talking with all of them, and he's trying to get them to see the transcendent truth of Jesus and the God who made this whole world. But listen and watch how he does it. He begins and he talks about the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. He's giving what he knows to be transcendent truth from the Bible. So he's starting with the Bible, yes. 
And then he goes on and he says, you know, from one man, God made all the nations. They should have it inhabit the whole earth. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. But then listen to the way he closes. He says, for in him, God, we live and move and have our being. And some of our own poets have said, we are his offspring. And if you look at the footnotes in your Bible, what you'll see is that Paul there is quoting. He's quoting the philosophers and the Stoics of the day. What he's doing is he's taking what these people saw as their truth, these philosophers, these Stoic people, and he's connecting it with who God is. He's connecting it to who Jesus is. So I think the challenge for us today as we think about holding on to and thinking about in the scripture, whatever is true, is not to just jettison anything that isn't scripture, to jettison anything that isn't Christian, but instead it's to see where God might be at in the midst of that, how Jesus might actually even be speaking in that and could speak through that to us and to others as well. Because in Colossians 1, it says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, and in Him all things were created, and all things are held together in Him. Which, to me, didn't sound like only Christian things are held together in Jesus, or only church things are held together in Jesus. It says that all things are held together in Jesus. Which, to me, means that in all things, Jesus can speak. In all things, Jesus can be redemptively at work. In all things, Jesus can be drawing people to a loving relationship with him, whether they know him or not. In Romans 1 verse 20, it says this, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. God can be known from what has been made. We can see who God is by looking outside and seeing what God has made. God is on the move. God is still speaking today. And our, 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 uh, you know, what our challenge is is not to see people's personal truths, to see this idea of living your truth as an obstacle, but rather as an opportunity. Instead of seeing it as an obstacle, it's an opportunity. Where do people already where are they already hearing the voice of Jesus, but they just don't know it yet? Where are they already seeing Jesus, but they just haven't heard his name yet? Where are we experiencing Jesus, but we didn't call it that him, by him yet? Because Jesus is on the move everywhere, and he can use anything to speak and move and give us truth, which is the closing point, which is limitless truth. That there's no limit to how Jesus can speak and give and push his truth into our heads and our hearts and ultimately out through our lives. The Greek word for whatever here, which is used six times, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, it's hafas, which is a word that can be translated as whatever. So, you know, if anything is true. But at other points and many times in the New Testament, it's used to refer to as much as, or that there's no limit to. This is the same word that is used when Jesus feeds the 5,000. And it says that there was as much as people wanted. Hafas, there was hafas, there was as much as was wanted. So Jesus took five loaves and two fish and he fed 5,000 people or 5,000 men plus women and children as much as they wanted. And then there was some left over. To me, that sounds like limitless. 
That sounds pretty unlimited to me. That sounds like an abundant truth. That God can take what we see, see as small and make it great. What we see as very limited and he can speak and move in many different ways. So I think the invitation today is to see the possibility that Jesus is gonna be bringing his truth, his limitless truth in all different areas of our lives. And, and what I wanna, what, uh, my, always my challenge for myself is, is how this doesn't just become here, but it moves to here and then to here in my life. And Romans 12 verses one through two is kind of a great scripture to push us into this. It says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies, to offer your lives as living sacrifices to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're supposed to renew our minds with whatever is true. That's supposed to change our hearts and our perspective on the world and what we think could be true and where Jesus might be at work. And then we're supposed to offer our lives as living sacrifices, which means we're supposed to start walking it out and living it out and seeing and looking for where Jesus might be at work today. The other thing I wanted to talk about with limitlessness is this. It's, I think, that idea today, and I know that maybe what I'm saying might, might make us squirm a little bit in our seats, that it might not sit quite right with some people. You know, G CJ, the Bible, that's our truth. That's our truth. And I don't want to, you know, get that out of whack here. The Bible is our truth, and Jesus is our truth. But to quote a pastor that I know and that I think he said this a few times, if Jesus is just a dead guy and this is just a book that we keep reading and this is just a mausoleum, then we may as well just give up. But if God is alive and active and still speaking and moving and working and bringing his truth into our world and our lives today, then that should give us some excitement and hope, you know? And I think that the problem has become is that if we get so buried in this, then we're just, and we're just trying to stuff our heads full of this, and then we're trying to tell other people, this is true. We got to remember, the Bible says doesn't work with a lot of people, because this isn't their transcendent truth. They don't believe that this is transcendent truth. And the more that we just try and shove it down their throats and say, it's, it's true. It's true. Don't you know these words are True. People's personal truth is based on their experience, right? It's based upon what they've lived out. Have you ever tried telling someone, you know, what you experienced, it's not true. Your experience is not true. How does that go? It doesn't go well because people are experiencing things every single day. So I think the limitless truth is to say, okay, Jesus, people are experiencing things in their lives. And I know this is true, but how do I take this from here to here to out in my life to looking at other people's lives and seeing where your transcendent truth and who you are, Jesus, connects with where they're experiencing it today? And not to put a limit on, they just have to fill their heads with this in order to become a follower of Jesus, but to where they might be experiencing the truth of this in their lives today. That's limitless. God is doing as much as he wants to, and he can do it as long as he wants to. And I think we've been conditioned in our culture and in our economy to believe in a kind of an economy of scarcity, that there's this big pie and there's only so much of the pie. And I gotta get my section of the pie and then I gotta guard my section of the pie so that I hold on to my section of the pie. 
And many times this can bleed into the way that we look at God, that God has, you know, God has a certain amount of love. And I know that he loves me, but if, I, if God could love this person and speak to them in this way, that would take more of the pie and it might steal a piece of my God, piece of God's love. Or if God healed me, he's maybe used up some of his healing power and he might not have enough healing power left for those people that are different than me. But God doesn't have a pie. God's got limitless pies. He's got so much love and healing and grace. And I think when we, talk, we wanna talk about limitless to say that sometimes our life's worries and disappointments have kind of shrank us back into seeing an image of God that says that there's gotta be a limit. And whenever there's a limit, then we start getting defensive and we start kind of shrinking back to trying to get to some sort of thing that we can know and we can put a guardrail around and a boundary around and say, this is it. But in Ephesians 3, it says, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us and to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And I have to keep bringing myself back to that, that God can do so much more than I think is possible. If I think the pie is this big, then God's got to the pie never ends. It's just the pie goes on for miles. I'm talking a lot about pie this morning and that was not a part of the plan. <laughs> so this week, I guess I'll close just by saying this. My challenge is to find another true thing this week because the call this week is to have a joyful attitude and seeing whatever is true as much as is true. So find another true thing this week that you haven't seen yet, that you haven't found yet, that you haven't understood before. And of course, when you see something and you think it's true, we have to see it and test it and walk it through our loving relationship with the truth, with Jesus, who is the word himself. So we have to walk it through, but keep looking for the opportunities to see more of what's true out there. And then... If it works, if you run it through the lens and you say, that's, that's like, that's Jesus, then connect to it and maybe find out how you could connect other people to it. Maybe others that don't know Jesus yet. Because today, limitless truth is not just a bad infomercial. It's a gospel invitation to pull, fully think, believe, and follow Jesus as he's bringing his truth into our world and our lives today. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, keep expanding us. Keep expanding our minds and our hearts. Help us not to put limits on you, limits on to how you speak in our lives and how you might be speaking in others' lives. Shock us like you did the disciples, taking five loaves and two fish and feeding way, way more people than we ever thought was possible. And keep shocking us and amazing us with how you can do way, way more in our world today than we ever thought possible. And help us to be joyful, to be excited, to partner with you in what you're speaking and bringing and redeeming as true in our world today. In your name we pray, amen.